0: good morning. If we can find our seats, we'll get started this morning. If you are visiting us today here at King's Cross Church, um, my name is Wayne and I'm just one of the members and I'm filling in for our pastor who's on vacation this week. And uh, so I get the privilege of looking into the third chapter of Jonah with you. So for those of you that have been here the last few weeks, we've been going uh, over the four weeks of studying the book of Jonah. Um, so far, we have reflected on the rebellion in our lives. I'm getting feedback. Is that just me? Do I need to move? Or it's fine. Okay. Um, so we've, looked at the, uh, we've reflected on the rebellion in our lives that keep us from following God. When Jonah ran the other direction. Uh, Then we looked at God's purpose in the storms of life and then last week we were faced with God's power over heaven and earth and his ability to do impossible physical miracles and brings about salvation. So out of respect for God's word if you will stand with me as we read the third chapter of the book of Jonah. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, he went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, and three-day journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, and going a day's journey, he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. And who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw that they did what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of his disaster and that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we come to you, I just pray that you will help us understand what it is that you want us to hear and, and get from the scripture today, what we can take and apply into our lives that will be transformative, that will help us to be that individual that will go to the world and will share the best news ever. So Father, give us ears to hear and make us have a willing heart to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a seat. So this passage starts out, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So here we find God is rewriting Jonah's story. So if we look two chapters before, God had the same command to Jonah, right? He says, get up and go to Nineveh. And instead of doing that, Jonah turns around and goes the opposite direction. So what we really are finding ourselves here in this third chapter doing is starting where God wanted the book of Jonah to actually start. And instead, with Jonah's rebellion and running away, and then having to have a course correction, we saw last week that maybe the fish had something to do with turning him in the right direction. Uh, But once he got onto land, we find Jonah actually walking toward Nineveh. And so it says here that God is... and, And so what we see here when God says he's giving him a second chance or a second time he's calling him... Here, God is rewriting Jonah's story and offering him a new beginning. I don't know about you, but that's quite a gift. That's a grace in action. The message of a great God showing grace is that is what we can take away from the story of Jonah. Our history does not determine our destiny and our failures do not frame our future. Here in chapter 3, God rewrites chapter 1 where Jonah fled, and now Jonah is following in faith, and he goes to Nineveh. God rewrites Jonah's story, and what he's saying to us today is he's willing to rewrite our story too. Have you ever done something that you wished you'd never done? Have you ever missed an opportunity that you wished you had another shot to go after that same opportunity? I know that I have. And this is really good news today that we are reading because God's saying, I will rewrite your story. I don't know why God insisted on Jonah being the one to go to Nineveh. But that was his plan. And he went through the last three weeks that we've been studying that whole episode of getting on a boat, of almost almost shipwrecking, throwing him off into the water, almost drowning, having a fish turn him around, putting him back on land, in order for God to just start all over again and say a second time, God came to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh. So we have this good news. What are we to do with this good news? We are to go and share. So let's read again verses one through three. And it says, and when the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was a great, exceeding city, and, and Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. So what we see here is one man can make a difference. I think a lot of times we think that I really am not capable of really changing anything in this world. You know, I'm, I'm just one man, what can I do? And I think that Jonah was not so much fearful that he was one man that will do something, but he was fearful that God is a great God and he was gonna do something mighty when Jonah went and did what God told him to do. And I think that that's one thing that we can take away from this is one man, one woman, One individual willing to do what God's called you to do, to be on mission with God, can have a huge impact. When Jonah did this, it wasn't just a few people, the people that just heard him, even the king who did not hear him, but the story and the message got to the king. The city changed course. It affected them in a profound way. So we find this same message happening and coming to us. It says, the Great Commission is in Matthew 28, 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus then said in Mark 6, 15, he he says to them, go out to the world and to preach the gospel to all creation. So we have the same marching orders that Jonah had. Jonah was asked to go and preach. And we are asked to do the same thing and in the same method, and that is to preach. Okay, some of you may go, I'm not called to preach. Uh, You can do that, Wayne, but I'm not going to do that. So preaching doesn't mean standing in front of a lot of people and yelling at them. I'm not going to yell at you today. Um, But it, it doesn't Mean that you have to stand up here and talk to a lot of people. Preaching can be conversational. It can be something done over the phone. It can be done through a text. It can be done just face to face talking to someone. It can be done at a restaurant. It can be done at the beach driving in a car. You could be sharing God's good news with other people. And so we are given the same marching orders that Jonah was given and that is to preach this good news, the best news ever. And so, preaching is not based upon volume or size or the audience. It is based upon compassion and clearly sharing scripture. Preaching is verbally communicating the message of the gospel. We have been, we have been called to do that. We are to share our faith without apology. In Romans 1, 15 through 16, Paul says this. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Okay, but why preach? Why, why do we have to preach you know, it would be so much easier if God would just come down and convert everyone. You know, it'd take all the pressure off of us, right? Why do we have to be the one verbalizing? And so, um, so let me catch up with myself here. Um, so, the reason that we are to preach the good news is that we need to verbalize what God what that good news is, because people need to hear the word. So yes, a lot of us will go, hey, I will live a good life in front of people and they will see that I'm a Christian and they will become a Christian. But that's not what God said to Jonah to do. And that's not the command that he's given us, that I want to be an example to the world. And then they will see that it's Jesus that they need to follow. But God's actually saying to all of us, he says, we need to verbalize The good news to other people. We need to talk about it. And so again, Paul says in Romans 10, 14 through 15, he says, how are they to believe, how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, one man, one woman can make a difference by waking up every day and praying a simple prayer. Show me someone, Lord, that I can share the gospel with today. Let's look again at verse 2. So one man can make a difference, one person can make a difference. In verse 2, it also says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, the message that I tell you. Okay, it is the message that God gave to Jonah that he wanted them to share. When we share the gospel with others, we don't need to embellish the story, we don't need to illustrate it or make it relevant. The gospel's relevant. So, it is just our job, like Jonah, to deliver the message. So my first year in college, uh, I was a communication major, and um, I thought it would be so cool to be a DJ, so I took the radio class, and we had a radio station at our school, so I got to be a DJ. So this is, for those of you that are of a different generation, a DJ and you go to the club and you see someone up there like, you know, doing all the cool sounds and actually putting the records on, that looks like fun. What I got to do is I got all the rotten shifts, uh, you know, Saturday night, Friday night, all the date nights were taken up with being in the radio station. And all I could really do, all the music was already selected. I just put it on and push the button. That's all I had to do. But the one thing I got to do every hour was for a few minutes is I actually got to read the news on the radio. It was my voice. It wasn't a pre-recorded thing. So I got to read the news. Now, the interesting thing about this, I was not to create the news, and I didn't have to write the news. All that I had to do was deliver the news, and that's exactly what God is saying here to Jonah and what he's sharing with us today. All we need to do is share the news. I know that many of us get scared when it's time. You know, we have a friend, we know someone that really needs to hear what God can do in their life, and it's so scary, but all we are required to do is share what God has done in our life and give them the gospel message. We don't need to embellish it. We don't need to take out the, the parts that we think are going to offend them like they're sinners. Well, you're just a bad person. Well, you're, you're, you're not good all the time. Let me put it that and so we try to change it just a little bit to make it more appealing when all we really need to do is tell the story that's been told for many, many years. Our job is to deliver the message. It's God's job to save them. In Luke 11:32, 32, it says, The men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment with his with this generation and condemn it for they repented in the preaching of Jonah and behold something greater than Jonah is here. Okay. I want to deal with that last part about the something greater than Jonah a little bit later in our study. What I want to do right now is just point out the fact that in the book of Luke it talks about people of Nineveh are going to be in heaven. So there's a big debate on whether or not people just changed their behavior in Nineveh or if they actually came to a saving relationship. All I know is what God's word says. And here in Luke, it says that people in Nineveh will rise up when we rise up to go to heaven. And they will testify to this generation saying, we heard, we heard the gospel. We heard the good news that was preached by Jonah, and we were saved. You're hearing the good news, and you didn't act on it. Who do we need? To, so the beauty of a God who runs after runaways is that when he catches us, he sends us to run after other run, runaways too. And who do you need to run after today? Who's God placing on your heart? See, the one who came running after you, he wants you to share that with those that are running away too. Once God's message was shared with the people of Nineveh, what did they do? Read with me in verses 4 through 6 again. It says, Jonah began to go into the city and going one day's journey, he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed, they believed God and they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe and covered himself with sackcloth. And he sat in ashes." So here in verse four, delivers a, Jonah delivers a very short message. He simply says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The brevity, the intensity in which Jonah shared the message of God tells of the transformative power and the truth of God's word. It's God's word that can pierce through the division of joint and marrow, of soul and spirit, It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We just studied that when we went through Hebrews, right? Hebrews twelve four talked about the word of God being sharper than any two-edged sword. And so the truth of the gospel leads to transformation beyond our wildest imagination. Those few words that Jonah shared or preached to the Ninevites caused them to stop, and to fast. The Ninevites believed God, and they immediately took action. And then what happened? Look at verse 6, and then it says, the message makes its way all the way to the king, and when your words are God's words, there is no limit for how far those words will travel. Jonah's words, the word of God that he shared, reached the king of Nineveh, and the people changed, the city changed, all because of the power of God's word. So here you, have you ever thought how much the power of what you say can affect other people? And, and do your words reflect God's word when you're mad When you're scared, do your words reflect God's word, or do they reflect the feelings that are going on with inside of you? See, I think when the worst situations come, that we believe that we have enough faith that even if God does not step in, we're going to believe that he will see us through. And then I think when we get in those situations, that faith weakens. And when God's word is shared with people and when they believe, the truth causes them to turn around. And so when we get to a point where God is meeting us in a specific situation, we have to believe with our whole heart that he is going to be there to meet us at that very point. We got to believe it. And then when we believe it, that truth can cause us to turn from our fear to turn from our anxiety, to turn from our anger and to face him and the truth that he wants to reveal to us at that very point in our situation. Turning around, verses 5 and 9. 5 through 9 says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation, and he published it through Nineveh. By decree of the king and of his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way. Let's read that again. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Okay, I'm not sure. I had to look it up. What's this whole thing with sackcloth? So, first of all, I I think uh, Obed pointed out a little bit earlier in our study that sackcloth is a very rough fabric that is, if you wear it, it's very itchy. Um, the closest thing to it that I've ever been able to see is, you know, like the three-legged races and those brown bags that they sort of put two legs in one from each person. It sort of is that kind of thing that potatoes would be put in. And so that's sort of the material that they would wear. So this was supposed to be an outward example of a repentant and sorrowful heart, I guess the closest thing to this would be like at a funeral, you know, you don't see people wearing pink and bright red. They usually are wearing black to sort of show the somberness of the mood, to show the sorrow of what's happening at a funeral. And so that's the closest image that I could give. But what I thought was really interesting here, and I want us to take away from this, is that this idea of repentance and of deep sorrow. Repentance means turning from your current course of behavior and going in the opposite direction. Just like Jonah, who was running in the opposite direction when God, where God had planned for him to go, and we now find him here in Nineveh. Jonah turned around, and as we saw last week, maybe the fish had something to do with that, but he got turned around, he got thrown out thrown up back onto shore but then God says go to Nineveh and this time in faith Jonah goes to Nineveh and here in this passage we see that even in verse 8 the king decreed and he says let everyone turn from his evil ways and from violence If it is your desire to have a repentant heart, to to see your family repent, your church, your community, to turn from their ways that are self-destructive and to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, then our outward actions, our sackcloth, is, first of all, it says, seriously pray and fast. This is something that our pastors talked a little bit about you know, seriously praying. So it's one thing to pray a nice prayer, a cute prayer like God is great and God is good and let us thank him for food. And maybe you have some some prayers that you've memorized. Maybe you've come from a traditional church that has given you a number of prayers that you can share. But a serious prayer and fasting is when we come And we talk to God from our heart. I can't think of another instance in the Bible describing such a fervent prayer than right here in the book of Jonah, where these people are being told in 40 days, you're going to be wiped off of the face of the earth. It was serious business. I mean, we're reading it like scripture and we almost treat it like a story. But if you were told by a doctor in 40 days, you're going to die. Would you go, "Hey God, bad news. You know, God is good. God is great. Let us thank Him for this. Good news. Now, you, you are going to get down on your knees and you're going to have sleepless nights and you're going to pray. And for some of you, you may have had situations. Uh, in your life already that have caused you to stop what you're doing and go, this requires serious prayer. And then fasting, putting aside the comforts of life. So when we are faced with, with larger than life situations that we don't know how to handle and what to do with, this is when we need to get on our knees and we need to start and pray. There's an English evangelist called Leonard Ravenhill. And in his sermon, God's Way, he says this. The church is dying on its feet because the church is not living on its knees. I wonder what would happen if we truly lived a life of prayer and fasting. If prayer, serious prayer, and fasting where it's a part of our regular life, what would that do with our relationship with, between us and God, and between us and those around us? I want to challenge you today to pray a prayer of repentance. Whatever you are wrapped up in, whatever you feel caught up in, whatever you're sucked up in, that is keeping you from Jesus today. Ask God to search your heart, to show you anything that is grievous, anything that is causing you and keeping you from a close relationship with the Lord. Ask him to make his word the most important thing to you, that you would start to read his word and to hide it deep in your heart that you might not sin against him. So sackcloth, our outward appearance, the first thing is we need to pray and fast, and then the other outward sign is that of repentance, which is actually turning or changing our course of action. Repentance isn't negative. It's not scary. It's literally turning to something more beautiful. It's turning so that you can see your Savior's face it's sort of like Peter in the boat when he turned and he saw Jesus on the shore. What'd he do? Did he say paddle faster? We got to get there faster? He, he, no. He, he threw pride to the side and he took his robe that was all tied up and he dropped it and he dove into the water and he swam to shore. That's what he did when he turned around and he saw Jesus. So repentance must precede Revival. As we see here in Jonah, everyone from the king down to the very least of those in Nineveh showed an outward appearance of repentance and deep sorrow. They were unsure of what the result would be. They were hopeful that maybe if they turned from their wicked ways, if they did what God was asking them to do, if they stopped doing the things that were self-destructive to themselves and those around them, then God would change his course of action. So basically what they were saying was, wake up, change your life. Instead of tearing your clothes, maybe we need to tear open our heart and allow God's healing power to get in there and do a mighty work to to start working on our heart. This is an urgent matter. And the people of Nineveh realized that. And they turned around, and they were willing to let God meet them where they were. One of the greatest moments, some of the greatest moments that happen when you turn around. I know that when I have gone hiking and gone up a hill, and I get to the top, and I turn around, and I see an absolute gorgeous sunrise or a sunset, and you see just all that scape below you. It's amazing. And as we mentioned, there's a lot of new babies. So, you know, when you are there and you turn around and you look and the doctor is handing you that brand new baby for the first time, and you're seeing that baby for the very first time, that's not a bad thing. That's when all the pain that the mom went through sort of melts away. And and that moment is joyous. So when we turn around and we come face to face with Jesus, it's not a scary moment. He's there to meet you right where you're at. Locking eyes with Jesus today. See that he is greater. Believe that he is better. Discover that his love goes deeper, that his mercy stretch wider. See him as the good God that's offering grace. Grace. The only thing that the people of Nineveh knew was that their city was about to be destroyed. I shared this before, but we've all probably been at that point at some time. The moment that we didn't know what to do next, there was no promise of redemption, no light at the end of the tunnel. How often do we assume that we will have faith? And God, if God doesn't do something, God is there to meet us at that very point, at that point in our life where we don't know what else to do. So what happens when one person repents? That person's life is transformed. We call that in the church salvation. What happens when an entire church repents? the church is transformed, and that can affect an entire community or a city, and we call this a revival. I was doing some research around revivals, and I know that a lot of times Christians will pray for revival to happen in their city, that will happen in their church, and Douglas Porter and Elmer Towns they wrote a book called The Ten Greatest Revivals Area Ever, and this is what they said. Usually, when we pray for revival, we are thinking that the bad guys, we are thinking about the bad guys, and we are telling God to go sick them. Little do we realize that revival begins with us, the people of God. As a matter of fact, we've got a suggestion for those who want revival don't pray for revival, just repent of all your known sin, do everything you're supposed to do, give God all, not part, but all your time, and you will experience revival. I thought that that was so profound. Don't pray for revival, just repent. But I've been a Christian for a very long time. Yeah. And you've probably justified a lot of sins that you're carrying around with you. I think what we are hearing today is, today is a great day to do a self-evaluation and ask yourself, Lord, what today do I need to ask forgiveness for? What do I need to be repentant for? The best news ever The book of Jonah is all about the best news ever. The book of Jonah is not about a well. A well's just the footnote. But I think for most of us who've heard the story of Jonah, we've also heard about the well. And it's not about Jonah, even though his name is the title of the book. I, I almost believe that the title of this book could be insert your name here. Because what God is talking to Jonah about, about being rebellious and coming back, what God's talking to Jonah about, and that prayer that Jonah gave last week from the midst of sitting in the well and from drowning in the water, and, and God speaking and touching and turning him around, This message that we're looking at today about the good news, about going and sharing, about believing, and about allowing it to have an impactful purpose in our life to change us in a very profound way, that's what the book of Jonah is about. The book of Jonah is all about a good God who is willing to show grace. So let's look at verse 10, and it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster. And He had said, and He and He relented of the disaster that He had said He would do to them. And He did not do it. Grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. Forgiveness of sin. And God's willing to do that. Jonah 3 concludes and articulates one of the great mysteries of the Bible God's patience and grace. Jonah wasn't the first one, nor will he be the last to disobey God, and yet God still radically chased after him. Jonah wasn't the last that God would chase down. The story of Jonah and Nineveh, the story of our disobedience and God's grace, it is his willingness to forgive us. This is the best news ever. This is the gospel, that God would look at a world which he created, and he looks at us at our worst, the worst moments, and he says, I will do anything to have these people with me forever. That's what the story of Jonah and Nineveh is all about. It's the story of our disobedience. And and then Jesus came down from heaven to earth, and he did that at our worst, not at our best, so that God could create a way that we could be with him forever. Why would he do this? Why? Why? Right back at the beginning of this chapter, it says for a second chance for our story to be rewritten. See, as we're living life, um, we make a lot of stupid mistakes. We sin greatly. Uh, I'm standing here before you as a sinner and a man who constantly has to come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And it is a mystery to me while he continues to love and shows mercy to me. But that is something that we all need to come and deal with and recognize and come face to face with the things that we are doing that's causing us to hurt God. See, a lot of times we ask for forgiveness because we don't want to get caught. We don't want other people to know what our sins are. But that doesn't transform us. It's only when we realize that our sin is literally causing hurt and pain to God can that transformation start to take place. We're going to look at that next week in chapter 4. Well, I'm not sure if he's going to do all of chapter 4 next week or not. But by the end of Jonah, we'll see that God's heart gets broken. He cries over us. And it's our sin that causes that hurt and our pain that pain the best news ever is all wrapped up in this story of Jesus is a better Jonah remember back i shared in that verse out of luke 11:32 the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment and when and with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. What's greater than Jonah? Luke's saying Jesus is greater than Jonah. Jonah went from Israel to Nineveh, and Jesus went from heaven to earth. Jonah went to Nineveh unwillingly, but Jesus came to earth willingly. Jonah was spat out of a fish, but Jesus walked out of a grave Jonah preached a few words from God. Jesus shows up as the Word of God. Jonah saw a king repent, and Jesus is the King of Kings in no need of repentance. Jonah saw one man repent, one nation repent, and Jesus will see someone from every nation, every from every nation on the planet earth bow their knee and call him King of Kings. So here we are today, a church who claims to be on mission with God. If we are to be on mission with God, if that is our purpose, then we need to see the same thing happen that happened in Nineveh, happened here in San Diego. For that kind of transformation to take place, we need to be willing to go and share audibly the best news ever. We need to believe that a good God who gives grace will do it again for us. We need to turn from our sin, show and see how our behavior hurts God. God is still willing to do what he did in Nineveh. He's willing to do what he did in the book of Acts and turn the hearts of the church, the city, a generation, and let them come face to face with him in a relationship Like every, like every Sunday, our prayer ministry is going to be available to you. And so after communion today, I really want to encourage you to take advantage of that prayer ministry. So let's just spend a moment right now and ask God to take what he shared as maybe poorly as I've done it. I'm praying that his word pierces your heart because it's nothing about me and it's all about him. Let's pray. Lord, today, let each of us do self-evaluation one-on-one with you. Lord, reveal to us today what it is that we need to come and confess to you. Lord, allow us to be willing to repent, to turn, to change. And Lord, to go a different direction, to leave those sinful acts that we so willingly come back to over and over again. To this time, Lord, rely upon you to meet us at those very difficult times when we are facing those times of wanting to sin and walk away from you. Father, find us to be faithful like the Ninevites, that we will pray, and Lord, that we will believe And then, Lord, that we will see transformation take place in us. That we will put away those evil things that we so willingly do. And, Father, that we will come face to face with a good God. A very good God that wants to show us love and grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.